back in July of 2005, there was a guy whose name was Kyle McDonald, and Kyle had a red paper clip. And Kyle wanted to decide what he could trade for that red paper clip. And so he began to trade the red paper clip. He traded that red paper clip for actually a fish-shaped pen. He took that pen and traded it in for a hand-sculpted doorknob. He took that doorknob and traded it in for a Coleman camp stove. He took that stove, traded it in for a Honda generator. And over the course of the next 12 months, he made 14 trades. All started with that little red paper clip. You know, you want to know what he ended up with at the very end a year later? A two-story farmhouse in Saskatchewan. All started from that little red paper clip. Who would have thought you could take a little red paper clip and turn it into a house, right? Because none of us would have thought about doing that because what do we like to think about? We like to think about big stuff. We would have just said, just go buy the house. That would be a whole lot easier than going through all these steps that, that McDonald did. But we think that way, don't we? We think big. And sometimes we forget about the power and the potential of starting small. That's true when it comes to our work worlds. We ra rarely think about the small stuff. We focus on the big stuff. And I think we're kind of trained this way. Maybe our parents teach us this. Society definitely does. That we're supposed to think about the big things. We're supposed to think about these big dreams that we have. These, these big accomplishments that, that we want to make in our life. We think about the big titles and the big jobs and positions. And so we're, we're always thinking about the big things in our life. And, and too often we forget about the power of the small things. And in the end, the small things can be what matters the most. But what happens when we're focused on those big dreams and those big accomplishments and big titles? What happens when those things aren't coming? What happens when it's taking too much time and too much effort? Well, we'll cut corners. Uh, we'll make unethical decisions. Maybe we'll act questionably. And the reason is pretty simple. We forget about the power of the small things. What are those small things that we need to focus on? But if you think about our life, it's in everything, right? It's not just in work that small things are important. It's important in our finances. It's important in our relationships. It's important in every aspect of who we are. It's those small things that have the potential to make the biggest difference. And so today, as we continue our series called Workology, We've been talking about, uh, if you haven't been here, the study of work. We, we've been talking about our work and our faith and how they really should be intertwined. And so the first week we, we talked about God and we said, you know, our work matters to God. And so if God matters to us, then our work should matter to us. We, we should work hard because of that connection we have with God. And then last week we talked about our time. We, we talked about how we uh, spend about 55% of our time in a place like this, of our waking hours, working. How can we find rest? How do we find time for relationships? How do we find time with God? And, and so we, we talked through that a little bit last week. But today I want to talk about the small things. That we can get so caught up in the big stuff of life, the stuff that we want and the stuff we desire, that we forget about the power of starting small. Now do this today. We're going to look at a story Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 16. It's a parable that he gives, and then he gives some teaching after that. And here's what it says. Luke 16, starting with verse 1. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a man manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. 
So we have this business owner, he owns a business, he's got a business manager who basically takes care of the business or is supposed to, but as we can see here, he's, he's probably mismanaged things quite a bit. I don't think it was criminal, it seems like it was a lot of neglect. But what we do know is that this employer is losing money for this company and the owner of it, he can't handle this anymore. He's like, you are done. You are fired. So I need you to get everything in order before you leave. That doesn't happen in our real world today, does it? Like you're getting a text message the night before and it just says you're fired. That's it. <laughs> we'll send your stuff to you and, and that's how we find out about being fired today. That stuff doesn't happen. So it's, it's kind of some grace that this particular owner has. But look at verse 3. The manager thought to himself, now what? My, my boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who would give me a home when I am fired. This guy does what we would probably do in the same situation if we were to lose our job. He, he does a self-evaluation. He, he looks at where he is and his abilities and what he's able to do. And, and he begins to think about, now, what can I do to make sure that I, I'm taking care of myself? I, I've lost my job. I've got to go find a new one. What am I good at? What am I not good at? And so we, we see here, he, he has a couple of things he thinks about. He's, he thinks about digging ditches. But this dude has been pushing paper for years, so he probably doesn't have many calluses on his hand. He's like, yeah, I don't think I want to do the physical stuff. And he thinks about begging. He's like, I'm too ashamed to, to beg for, for what I need. And so he comes up with a plan he really, really likes. He makes a decision to meet up with his boss's clients secretly because he has a plan. Verse 5. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. Well, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now I don't know about you as you're reading that, and kind of figure out why this guy got fired, right? <laughs> like, how does he not know how much these people owe? Apparently, he doesn't. And so he decides, I'm going to meet with each one of these clients, and I'm going to reduce their debt. Now, these are pretty large amounts that these people owed. And so he makes decisions that are going to favor those that owe the debts. Now, why is he saying this? Well, he's thinking, if I'm nice to these people, if, if I help them out, then when I'm finally done with my job here in the next few days, maybe they will be nice to me. Maybe they'll help me out. Maybe they will give me a job. Now, if you kind of put all these pieces together and you think that you're the owner of this company, how, how would you be ready to react when this news gets back to you? Well, look at verse 8. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. He comes back, he wants to recap how things are going, and he sees and hears what this business manager has done, and it doesn't say that he's angry. I'm sure there's a little bit of him that's a little upset of what's happened here, but, but I love this. He says he knows he has been outsmarted. 
And in fact, if you read it here, it says he admires what the business manager, dishonest rascal, had done to him. I mean, this dude's still getting fired, right? He's not going to say, yeah, sure, come on back. You did a great job here. He's still getting fired, but at least the business owner is getting some of his money back that's owed him. Well, then Jesus takes this story and teaches this lesson. Verse 8. And it is true that the children of the world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Now, what's Jesus saying here? Well, first thing to understand, he's not endorsing the actions of the business manager, okay? He's not saying, hey, that's great. You can do that in your own work world. That works out fine. He's making a point that it seems like those people that are far from God have like these incredible tactics and ideas and they put them into play and they benefit someone. Now, who do they benefit? They, they benefit them. But, but then here's Jesus. It's like they're making these decisions that are benefiting themselves. And what would it look like if people who were, as he says here, children of the light, people who are living for God, people who are following Jesus, what would it look like if, if they used their tactics in their life? Not to help themselves, but to help and support others. What would happen if, if we use those opportunities we have to, to make a difference in the lives of others? And yet too often what we find is we want to be more like the world and use our tactics to help ourselves. Jesus then gives some career advice after making this statement. He says this in verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? I read these words from Jesus, and it makes me think of his earthly dad, Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter, and so... Jesus didn't really have many choices. He was going to go into the family business. I mean, that was the family business. And so Joseph would have, would have brought Jesus in and made Jesus an apprentice. He would have said, Jesus, I'm going to teach you all about the carpentry business. I'm going to teach you what it's like to be a carpenter, but I'm going to teach you the business side too. Because, hey, Jesus, at some point in time, I may not be here and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to run this family business. And so think about all the things that Joseph would have taught Jesus over the, the years that he was with Jesus. He would have taught him the whole process of, of creating something. He would, he would have taught him all the details, right? Now he would have said, hey, Jesus, you got you to think big starting out. You got you to think about this thing that we've got to make. Uh, maybe this piece of furniture, this, this table that we've got to build and, and create because, you know, you just can't snap your fingers and, and make it happen. Now, <laughs> maybe Jesus could. I don't know. His real dad could, but maybe Jesus could have done that. He, he didn't do that, but Joseph definitely couldn't do that sort of thing. But here's Joseph who would have taken Jesus and began to teach him the importance of small things. He would have said, Jesus, this is what it looks like to gather the materials. Here's the tools that are needed. Here's how you take measurements. Here's how you make these cuts. Here's how you put the finishing touches on, on these, these things that we are, are making. Joseph would have shared all of these details that Jesus would have needed to know and that he learned and I think definitely put into practice. But then Joseph would have taught Jesus all the hard work too. 
Because again, there's no snapping of fingers and these creations just come into be. I mean, Jesus would have wielded a hammer. He would have had nails that he had to work with. He would have had a saw to figure out. I mean, this was hard work. I was going to say, you know, like not like getting Ikea furniture, but putting that together might be the hardest thing in the world if you've ever done that. But there's this physical labor piece to it, right? There's, there's Jesus, and, and I, I bet his hands were, were just calloused because of the hard work he did. I, and I imagine Jesus was ripped. Sinewy muscles. I mean, why? Because think about the work he does every single day as a carpenter. There's the work he's doing, but there's also this position as a, as a businessman. He's choosing the resources. He, he's putting the prices of goods together. He's trying to figure out how much we're going to sell this for so we can make money and so we can live. And, and I imagine him doing this for 20 plus years of his life. And so he knows the time and he knows the effort. He knows the, the work that has to go behind making these creations come to fruition. Jesus understood what it was like to take those small steps and how important those small things were to what he was doing. And so when I read these words right here in verses 10 through 12 in Luke 16, I, I think to myself, I, I bet these are things that Joseph instilled in Jesus growing up. Th these ideas, these thoughts, these processes, hey Jesus, Jesus, it's all about the small things. How about for us? What's been instilled in us? It's like I said earlier, we've always been taught to think big. Dream big. Think about the, the big stuff in our lives. And, and so maybe, maybe an example of this is when it comes to our prayer life, right? And so we've got these big dreams and big places we want to go. And, and so we pray. We pray for our work world. And, and we probably pray prayers like, um, hey, God, bless me with more customers. Hey, hey, God, bless me with a bigger pay raise this year. Hey, God, give me more people to lead. God, let me be noticed so that I can get that promotion. And we pray these kind of prayers because that's what we're driven to, to pray. We, we want more. We want more stuff. We want to get paid more. We want to do more. We want to get more. And so we focus on these, these big things and big outcomes in our life. Maybe we're praying the wrong prayers. Maybe we should start praying smaller things. Maybe we should be praying, God, how can I help the customers I have right now? God, how can I be a better leader to the people entrusted to me right now? God, how, can, how am I using what I can control to, to be better at, at what I do? Hey, God, that pay raise I've been asking for, I still need it because like a dozen eggs are $15. So I still could use the pay raise. But everything else, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the small things. But what happens? That carnal piece in us, the human side of, of who we are, what culture kind of teaches us. That we want the big, flashy, awe-inspiring stuff in, in our lives. And what's our principle? Our principle is forget the small things and focus on what is, is big. And it begins to consume us and it begins to control who we are in such a way that my wants and desires take precedent over God's wants and desires for me. But what's Jesus's principle? Jesus says, be faithful with the small things. Be faithful 
with the small things. Now notice Jesus doesn't say just be faithful in the small things and don't worry about the big things because they're never going to happen. And if you're a follower of Christ, you should never think big things. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, be faithful with the small things because if you can be faithful with small things, oh, you know what? You can be faithful with the bigger things. Question is, what are the small things that you and I can focus on in our life right now? What are those things that in our work world that we can focus on that are small, that can make the biggest difference in our lives and the lives of others, and of course, in that connection we have with God? So let me share with you a few ideas, a few small things we can do. And maybe y'all five of these, you're like, yep, that's me. And I do all five, maybe for others, like, hey, here's one or two. Maybe none of these fit. And there's definitely more. But let me just kind of share these with you this morning. And I think are small things we can begin to do starting tomorrow, if that's when our work week begins, that could change and, and make a big difference. First thing I would say is change your attitude. Change your attitude. Um, week one, I shared with you some statistics, a recent survey that was done back in December of last year. And I'm just going to run back over those again because I find them fascinating. Uh, the survey found that 46% of U.S. workers wouldn't wish their job on their worst enemy. 53% of global employees would choose a different profession than they're currently in. 40% of global employees wish someone warned them not to take the current job that they are in. Uh, nearly two-thirds would switch their job right now. The average stay for us in a job is about 4.4 years, and over the course of our life, we will have about 12 different positions. Why is this the case and the norm for so many people? Could it be our attitude? Could it be our attitude towards our work? I get it. You may hate your job. You may be frustrated with the work that you do. You may not like your coworkers. But can I, can I share something with you? And, and if you don't take anything else from today, this is it. Can I promise you the people that you work with know that about you? <laughs> like, this person hates their job. This person's frustrated. This person hates me. I mean, what is going on? And the reason is pretty simple. How you speak... Your actions, your reactions, your body language, the emails you send, the text messages that go out, the conversations and meetings that happen. Your coworkers know you actually cannot stand what you do and who you do it with. They know that and you think you're being pretty sly, but they're probably a lot smarter than you are. Our attitudes towards what we do speak volumes to others. That's why I love these words that Paul writes in Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. What are you saying through your attitude at work? Well, let me ask it this way. Do people see peace in you? Do they see joy in who you are? Do they see a person that's full of goodness? Or do they see somebody entirely different? One of the small things that we can begin to do that's going to make a huge difference is for us to change our attitude. And God can use that in incredible ways. Here's the second thing I would say, and some of you are going to hate this one because I know your work schedules, but stronger work ethic, okay? So don't send me any hate emails this week talking about, I work like 15 hours a day. I know some of you do that, but I'm talking to another group of people, okay? So if I'm talking to you, this is for you. Um, listen to some more some statistics. The Bureau of Labor said that the average American works 8.8 .8 hours per day. 
And we are productive four hours and 12 minutes of that day. All right, so how do we spend the rest of our time? Let me share some of these with you. We spend one hour and five minutes each day reading news websites. Whether those are actually good websites or not, that's up to you. But 44 minutes we spend on social media. 40 minutes we have uh, non-work-related conversations with our coworkers. 26 minutes a day we spend searching for a new job. <laughs> and one study even said people average 23 minutes a day smoking. All right, so... There you go. Uh, what are our biggest uh, time wasters for work besides all the dumb meetings we got to be a part of? Uh, number one, surfing the internet. Number two, social media. Number three, texting. Number four, bathroom breaks. I love these words out of Proverbs 14, 23. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Now, hear me out. I'm not condoning that you are that boss or you are that employee that everybody hates because you, you have 12 hours. You've got to work that day, and you work every single minute of those 12 hours, okay? I'm not saying that. There's something good about taking breaks and resting and interacting with other people. But, but maybe the question is, how efficient are we in what we do? Are, are we really working hard at, at what we do? And, and maybe the small thing that you and I can do tomorrow is that instead of working four hours and 12 minutes, maybe we're, we work five hours out of the 8.8 .8 hours we work each day. Hey, listen, just adding a little bit more time to the work and the effort that we do is a small thing that can make a big difference. But then here's the third thing I would say is do good work. Do good work. I, I want to go back to Joseph teaching Jesus how to be a carpenter. I, 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 I don't know that Jesus or Joseph was like parents today. Like, <laughs> hey, Jesus is two years old and we're going to get him tested. That dude... <laughs> He's like the best carpenter we've ever seen. You should see this kid. I mean, he's got this hammer and the way he wields it. I mean, it's incredible. He's, he's probably going to turn pro at 16. I just got a feeling this is what he's going to do. I'm pretty sure that's not who Joseph was. And maybe you know people who act that way today with their two-year-olds or younger. But um, what I do think happened, and you might not like this picture that I'm going to paint. I got a feeling Joseph laid into Jesus sometimes for the work he did. Okay. I mean, he's teaching his son how to, how to be a carpenter and how to run this business. And, and I, I'm sure there are those moments that Joseph's like, son, you can't make that cut. What, what are you doing? Son, Jesus, we, we can't sell that. We, we just lost all that money because of what you just did there. Jesus, what were you thinking? I mean, I know in our minds we have this picture. Jesus was this little perfect kid doing everything perfectly. And, you know, Joseph's like, hey, make that cut. And Jesus knows, yeah, that's a, you know, 45-degree angle. I can do that. And it's done. Jesus is learning this stuff, right? He's human. And so I just imagine that Jesus, Jesus probably had moments where he did some shoddy work. And, and I bet there were those moments where Joseph looked at him and was like, oh, our family's losing money right here. Like, like look, look what Jesus is, is costing us. And, and so that I can also imagine, though, Joseph being this really good dad and teacher who says, hey, Jesus, it's really important that we do good work. I love what we read in Ecclesiastes 9:10. Whatever you do, do well. Whatever you do, do well. Are you doing good work? Or are you doing work just, just good enough to, to get by? Are you doing work just enough to, to keep your, your job? I mean, if we go back to the story we've been reading, why was this business manager fired? He did not do good work. He didn't even know the, the numbers on the accounts that were owed his boss. 
Are, are we more like that business manager than, than anyone else? Are we kind of lazy, trying to get by? Do we have poor work ethics? Or are we doing good work? Because good work is a small thing that we can control and over time can make a huge difference. The fourth thing I would say is focus on relationships. We talked about this a little bit the first week. I talked about how when, when we are focused on, on God and God is central to everything we do, especially when it comes to our work, that um, God can use that in incredible ways to bless us. But, but through that, God can use us to, to bless the lives of, of others. But the only way we can really bless other people's lives if we, is if we have a, a relationship with them, if we have a relationship with our coworkers. Think about these questions. How do I, how do I treat others I work with? Uh, do I treat people differently because of who they are? Do, do I treat people differently because of what they can do for me? Do I treat people differently because of who they know and I'm trying to network with certain people and they know certain people? Is that, that kind of the, the place that we may be in our work world that we're just using people because we've got these big dreams and these big places we, we want to go? Or we truly come to this place of where we're understanding and knowing and building relationships with the people we work with? Uh, there's some small, simple things we can do know their birthdays, know their anniversaries. And maybe someone lost a, a spouse, passed away, and, and maybe knowing that, that date and being able to give them a note or give them words of encouragement that day can go a long way. Do you know the kids' names? Do you know the animals they have in their house or who they're dating? Now, I, I know some of you are like, but you don't know how many people I oversee. I understand that, but maybe there's this core group that you're around and you can say, hey, I, I want to make sure I, I know this about these people. And I'm going to admit to you, I'm not good at this, right? I'm trying to work on this myself this year and our own staff. I'm okay with most stuff, but there's a few things I, I don't know. And, and I know that those small things and focusing on relationships can make a huge difference. Do you know what they're struggling with at home? Do you know the health issues they may be facing? Are, are you encouraging them when times are tough and work is hard and, and they're not living up to the standards that you expect? Are you berating them? Are you trying to get rid of them? Or are you taking some time to encourage them? And maybe at some point you got to let them go. But, but are you leaving them in a place where they feel like, hey, you did everything you could to be there for them and to support them and encourage them? Do you recognize them for their awards and accomplishments and milestones? I mean, these are small things that we can do that can strengthen those relationships and can be so powerful in people's lives. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 2, says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What do you know about the people you work with. Now granted, there are those people you work with, you know everything because they tell you everything every single day, right? That's like part of that extra four hours. They're like, oh my goodness. Understand there's probably something underlying in them that puts them in that place with you. And so maybe there's something there for you to kind of hold on to and to help them through. I'm not saying maybe they just like to talk about themselves. I'm not sure, but, but listen, 
build those relationships, focus on those relationships. If we go back to what Jesus was teaching there in Luke 16, that's the essence of his teaching. It's all about relationships. It's all about doing these small things that in the end will make a big difference in connections and relationships with others. Are we focusing on our relationships? The fifth and final thing I would say is remember who you work for. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. Like, like we said at the very first week, in the end, it's not that I'm working for a boss. It's not that I'm working for my team. It's not that I'm working for a company. It is that I am working for God. And if we focus on that connection to God, if we focus on following Jesus the best that we can, those small things that we will do, Man, they will go a long way to making a difference in so many ways. It's going to make a difference in the company you work for. It's going to make a difference in the command that you're over. It's going to make a difference for the team that you are on. It's going to make a difference in just the atmosphere around you. Now, it may not be huge, but when we are truly focused on God and we are doing small things because of something we believe deep down inside of us about what God can do through us, and God can do amazing things where we work. It's those small things that are so important, and they make the biggest difference. This list could go on, and maybe you've got others that you would add to this. In fact, this past week, I asked you on Facebook to kind of share some of those things that you did at work that were small, that make a huge impact, and, and there were quite a few really good uh, um, things that you guys are up to and doing and encouraging people and spending time with people that uh, if you go back to our Facebook page, our Journey Facebook page, you can see some of those and, and read some of those. And, and those small things, they may feel so small, but they make such a big difference. But there's one piece of that story that I haven't talked about yet, and it's this. Jesus is reminding the readers when he's telling that story that, that there's a boss and there are other people that are watching that business manager. And so when it comes to us in our work world, it should be a reminder to us that when we're working, there are people that work around us that are, that are watching us, that, that they're seeing who we are and, and how we act and react. And the reason we know this is because that's what we're doing, right? We're doing the exact same thing to other people, but there's someone there that is always watching us. And, and of course, here's Jesus talking about how God is watching us too. And so the question is, what are we focused on? That when it comes to our work world, are we focused on what we want? Are we focused on our desires? Are we focused on what God wants for us? The desires that God has for us. Are we focusing on the, the small things that in the big scheme of things, honestly, are the most important? Because in the end, here's the deal. God could care less about your career path. It's true. God could care less about your career path. God doesn't care about your big dreams in terms of this is where I want to be and the title I want and the accomplishments and this is what it's going to look like to get there. God doesn't care about that. You know what God cares about? God cares about our character. God cares about how we spend our waking hours. God cares about how we, we spend the time that we are at work, the, uh, the way that we treat other people, who we are around other people. And so the question is, what do they see in you and me? Because over time, people will see our character flaws. 
We see this over and over and over again in the business world. We see this over and over and over again in the world of politics. We see this over and over again in the military. And oh, by the way, we see this over and over again in this thing called the church. That there are competent people who are leading in these arenas, but when there are flaws in their character, over time, people get hurt. Why is that? Because we are so focused on those big things. We are more worried about our career path than anything else. And yet, God doesn't care about our career path. God cares about our character. And when our, care, our, our career path is more important to us, we'll push aside and we'll forget those small things. But God's like, no, no, no. Your character is more important. Focus on those small things because when you focus on those small things and you're faithful with those small things, those big things will come. How faithful are you in those small things? How faithful are you in those small things? And go back to Jesus. Jesus says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. What's the small things that you and I need to do tomorrow? They're going to make the biggest difference. And again, it might be one of these things we just talked about, and it may be something totally different. What, is, what are some of those small things that as you head to work tomorrow or Tuesday, whenever it may be for you, that as you look at that, you're like, this is something small I can do that's going to make a huge difference. Because Jesus says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. Is it about a career path? Or is it about your character? Is it about a career path or is it about giving all that you have to God and God's wants and desires for you and for me? I'm not saying a career path is bad at all. I'm just saying it's those small things that are so important. When we do those small things, God can use them to make a big difference in this world. And honestly, it goes back to that last, that last point I made is just, making sure that we are fully focused on who God is in our lives. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones.